0: Speaking of not making sense, that's probably most of life right now. Uh, If anyone's trying to buy a home, you're looking at inflation rates and house prices. Every time you pull up to the pump, uh, you are reminded of where we're at. Uh, You look at the geopolitical climate. You look at the wars that continue to rage. Life really doesn't make sense very often. Um, And I don't know about you, but it oftentimes feels unstable. Is it instable? Unstable? Anyways, you know it. You feel what it's like to not be stable, and with that, there's something that we do believe as we gather here as a church that there is someone who is Stable, that's consistent, that, that we can actually put our faith and our trust in. Now, the challenge with faith and trust, just like you trusted this chair to hold you, you don't actually trust it until you sit in it. And one of the ways in which we're saying we trust God in the midst of chaos and calamity and uncertainty is that we continue to put our faith and our trust into practice. There's actually actions. So, we're in a series called Trust Fall, and what we're looking at are transformative actions in the midst of uncertainty. Last Sunday, we talked. About generosity, that this actually probably does not make sense to continue to be generous with our finances. That when we're uncertain, we actually try to grip our hands. Today, we have a special guest who's actually going to talk to us about Sabbath. That might be an unfamiliar word for you, and that's okay, but oftentimes, if uncertainty is happening, we might feel the need to either underfunction or overfunction. We withdraw from the world or we push even harder. And Sabbath is a way to invite all of us in the midst of uncertainty to find rest to find delight, to find joy, to find worship in a God who loves you just as you are. He will not love you less because you don't Sabbath. He will not love you more because you do Sabbath. But in Sabbath, you are creating space for God to move powerfully in and through your lives. So I'm going to invite uh, Noemi Vega Quinones up, and she is a baller. She brought a fan group with her today which is wonderful. Uh, she's been in the life of Midtown now for a couple of years. She actually led a leader session for us a couple years back. Um, she is now in her doctoral studies around religious ethics, actually studying uh, the life of Christian and indig- indigenous practices and how it actually shapes and it forms us. So she's going to walk us into Sabbath, has a fun little practice for us at the end, and will actually give some resources to us who want to try this on afterwards. Thank you. It's all yours.
1: Yeah, microphones are not. Okay. Hi. Um, So I titled this The Beautiful Gift of Sabbath, because um, if you don't know what Sabbath means, it literally uh, is translated as Shabbat from the word rest. In English, we think of it as rest, but the Hebraic meaning is much deeper and beautiful. Um, So I, I just think that the way that the Creator God, that God, Holy Spirit uh, gave us this gift of Sabbath is very, very beautiful. And I'll explain a little bit why, but first a couple of stories. Um, My mom, she grew up in El Rancho de Mexico, which are the northern hills of Jalisco. She grew up in a farm. They had corn, they had um, goats, and she would Drink goat's milk, and she always would tell these stories of going to the fields and picking the beets when she was a teenager, and rubbing uh, ta- like cutting open the beets and rubbing the beets with uh, for blush, which is kind of like a funny thing, right? Because she- but she was like, we did anything to make ourselves look beautiful, <laughs> and it's beautiful. I mean, um, it was a natural thing. Right now, you know, women spend and. And men too. A lot of people spend a lot of money on trying to look really great. When nature can help us look really great. Um, And eating well, anyway. well, uh, my par- I come from this tradition of people that care about the land and care about how we steward the land. Um, so as I've been thinking a lot about Sabbath rest, I've also been thinking about what it means for creation to rest, for the land and the animals to rest. So from my family, I'm learning these values, care for the plants and, and the animals, because God created those as well. Um, but it's not only my family's thing. A lot of Native and Indigenous people in the United States and all over la- all over the world, actually, we all come from ancestors that actually cared for the land and, um, and, ta- and taught us th- through ancient wisdom how we can care for one another and for the land, how we're all interconnected. And I think the Sabbath rest isn't just for humans. It's also for creation. This um, Indigenous Native American woman, um, her name, Nona, Winona LaDuke, and she tells a story of her people on the White Earth Reservation in Minnesota. They are the Anishinaabeg people, which in Ojibwe means to write, so they like to write. The majority Winona LaDuke states that there's a common ceremony for the restoration of balance, which is a restoration of our relationship. So when they are ready to harvest, when they are getting ready to harvest and take from the land, they also give back to the land. So in in her tribe, they offer up tobacco as a way of giving back to the land, for the land to nourishment as well. I think it's kind of a little bit like composting, where we are taking from the um, things that we do not need anymore in our food, and then we're learning to reuse. And we're learning, or we're using it in new ways, in new ways that can be nourishing and giving back to the land. We are stewarding the land in this way. And Ona says, "We do the, uh, her people, they do this because when you take something, you always give. Because if you take more than you need, you brought about imbalance. You have been selfish. To do this in our community is a very big disgrace. It is a violation of natural law, and it leaves you with no guarantee." that you will be able to continue harvesting. And so part of me just wonders, I just wonder, as Christians, if you're a Christian, you're left with these Hebrew texts, the Old Testament that some of us call it, that tell us to Sabbath. But the implications of that Sabbath has implications, I think, for all of our relationships and all of our relationships. And I really believe that Creator God teaches us this balance of receiving and taking, giving and taking. Um, So the Sabbath is a gift from God. And we see this in the very beginning in Genesis 2, verses 1. um, I don't know why it keeps going in and out. Hopefully it's not too distracting. Um, But in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, this is the text that we have before us. This is the the Hebrew people as they were being formed into a nation. This is one of the first stories that they're telling their children and communicating with their people. They're saying and teaching these things that that God, our God, the God that we follow, that God created the heavens and the earth. And God completed these things. Thank you. God completed these things um, in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This, I, I read this, I read this, and I read it in the context of the, of the whole narrative um, of Genesis, and I'm in awe. I'm in awe by a couple of things. First of all, the limitless God, God who is limitless, limited God's self for his own sake I don't think so. I think it's for ours, and I also think it's for the animals in the lands. There's something so important about rest that Creator God modeled it for us. We also see this very literal translation, rest meaning Shabbat, and as we continue on in the um, Hebrew people's journey, the the Lord will give um, the people even more instructions for how to do Sabbath and how to do it well, but the very first thing that we see, that I see here, that strikes out at me, is that when the world was good before the narrative of the fall, we have this invitation that rest is good. So we have the significance of this gift of the Sabbath, this gift of rest before the fall. And that's huge because it means that it is not a result of our inadequacy, of human's inadequacy. It's not a result of um, uh, Of how creator God is mad at us it's a is it's a result of God's abundance love for us and the creation that God has created and this means that sabbath is a gift but rest as gift can be difficult i think especially in our current world where everything is moving faster than ever before i have heard of sabbath as resistance so sabbath is resistance to maybe consumerism we take one day of rest to resist the pull to need to work all of the time Uh, we it's helpful to resist this pleonexia culture which pleonexia means an insatiable desire to have which a lot of us, maybe we can have year in terms of consumption, consuming shows or podcasts or the latest news source. Um, but I, I find it helpful sometimes to think of rest um, and Sabbath as resistance because resistance still feels active. It feels against something instead of with. And Sabbath is being with God practicing the presence of being and enjoying God, God's self. And dare I say, enjoying one another, and dare I add, enjoying creation and the animals. So Sabbath can be this beautiful moment of enjoyment and being with, practicing being with holy God and with one another. And so we have another story here. We have a story of resistance to Sabbath, um, but... But we have also two biblical stories that um, I will go over, only one of them. We have the stories of resistance to Sabbath in Exodus 16, which um, is not up there. But in Exodus 16, it's right after the Hebrew people, you know, they were enslaved, they were in Egypt, and they were in this enslavement, pretty cruel um, slavery uh, that happened to them for many, many years. And they escaped slavery. And after they escaped slavery, led by their leader, Moses, um, they were wandering around in the desert, and they were working really hard to stay alive in the desert, because I don't know if you've ever been to a desert, but it's really hard to find water, and it's really hard to find animals to hunt and to find food. So um, they were complaining to Moses. They were saying, you know what, Moses, I think enslavement in Egypt is a little bit better, because at least we got food and water. Um, And I don't know if you've ever been in a state of such intense uh, depthness of despair, of survival, where you're thinking, I wish I was back in that state of, maybe I wasn't my healthiest self then, but it's a lot better than where I'm at now, because where I'm at now is scary, and I don't know where I'm going to get my next amount of food. I don't know where I'm going to get water. Maybe... The inflation is really hitting you hard, or maybe there's pressure on you to work and to be fully present at work. Maybe there's pressure from family or from friends. Um, But the the people were scared for their lives, and they were wondering what's going to happen. Well, the Lord, knowing (laughs) that this was going to happen, Uh, allowed the quail to fall from the sky. The quail is a type of small bird, and in the mornings when the Hebrew people would wake up, they would find this dew on the outside, which is, they called it manna, and it was uh, these little thin wafers, and it's kind of, you know, in communion, um, if you take communion, you get these little thin wafers. It's kind of like reminiscence of this time when you were in such a state of despair. You had to completely rely on the miraculous of the quail and the manna for provision. And in this state of despair, the people had to trust God. God told them, "You cannot pick. Um, you can pick as much as you want, but only pick what you need, which is really about one quart per person at the time. Only pick what you need, you know, for your nourishment." Well, some people. They were scared, and so they picked more than what they needed. But what happened, the next day, the quail would rot and have worms, and the manna would rot and not be digestible. The next day, immediately, the food was spoiled, except on the seventh day. On the day of Sabbath, the Lord told them, go ahead and pick double, and don't worry. On the day of Sabbath, your, your food will not spoil. Well, some of them, uh, still afraid, still concerned, for their lives and their security, they went out on the seventh day to pick the quail and the food, and there was none because God's word is true, and the quail that they had picked earlier was still around. Their provisions were still there. What we get from this, what I get from this, is that Sabbath takes a lot of trust, a lot of trust, and we practice trust by practicing the Sabbath. Um, I also think that on the seventh day, when the quail didn't fall from the sky and when the manna didn't form in the dew, it was a rest for the quail to not die, and it was a rest for the manna that was formed to not be eaten. Um, that's one way of that I like to think about it. Now, Isaiah 58 is um, kind of a common justice uh, chapter. I love Isaiah 58. When I was early on in my justice journey, which was in the early 2000s um, in Fresno. Go Fresno State. Bulldogs. Um, when I was early in that journey, Isaiah 58 was like my my beckoning call to ah, practice the sound kind of fasting, practice the kind of fasting that God has chosen, which is to loose the chains of injustice and untie the, the yoke. Um, the cords of the yoke, and to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. And in Isaiah 58, the Lord is really kind of telling the people, his people, um, shout it out loud, do not hold back, declare to my people their rebellion. For day after day, they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commandments of God. And they ask me, why have we fasted? And they say, and you have not seen it. Well, God answers, because on fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all your workers. And I think that Sabbath is a form of fasting. It is a form of fasting from work. It is a form of fasting from production. It is a form of fasting from that consumerism that we are surrounded by. Um, It is a form of, of fasting from objectifying everything that is around us, which is the world that we swim in. And Isaiah 58 goes on further. If you keep from breaking, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord stay honorable, um, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There are some reasons that um, we may tend to break the Sabbath. Um, When I was in my first year of my doctoral program, I, um, towards the end of the spring, I fell into a very deep depression. And I um, didn't tell a lot of people because when you're depressed, you just can't really reach out to people. So you have to depend a lot on people reaching out to you. I lost some friends during that time because they thought that my not reaching out to them was my ignoring them. But I'm so glad that I didn't lose God during that time that um, I tried to break Sabbath from God. Like I, I didn't feel like resting on my Sabbath days. I would wake up and I would just lay in bed and I'd be like, what can I do God? There's nothing that I can do to honor you in this state. There was just absolutely uh, um, a state of despair. And I think wherever you find yourself, Sometimes there are days where the Sabbath is just really hard to take or you don't know how to take it. Um, But I want to share with you that we can trust that creator God is with you. Even when you can't take the Sabbath, if it's a thought that you have on your Sabbath day, like I'm going to just think that God is with me right now and focus on that oh man, that's like enough of a connection for creator to just abundantly fill you up. Even if you don't feel it, the presence of God is there, and we can trust that. Um, Sometimes I think we break the Sabbath because um, we do get caught up by the pressures of being too busy or trying to earn this that or trying to do the Sabbath as we as we please I don't know if you know some social media influencers but they tell us go go take a massage go get your nails done go hike in the mountains in the woods and those are refreshing those are all good things I love massages I love getting my nails done Um, but they're not fulfilling if there's not intentional time to connect with Creator God and that is our Sabbath our Sabbath is this intentional time to create with Creator God and it's a gift Um, And so as we enter into, or maybe you're closing out your Sabbath, or maybe you're starting your Sabbath, um, I want you to remember that it really doesn't, that the fact that you're here is incredible and amazing, and I'm really glad that you're here. I'm really thankful that you're here, using to choose your time, uh, you know, away from precious other times and moments to be here. And God sees that. But I also hope it's, spontaneous moments on your intentional day of rest where you connect with creator god and if you don't um if have ideas for that i've got a retreat that i wrote for you that um, there will be some ideas there but we're gonna um, close with a time of visio divina which is a time of uh, when you think about taking or starting a sabbath day of rest what um what do you do with that time so maybe this is something that you can do something that you can reflect on the beauty of God. Um, and if Sabbath is for creation as well, I think we can learn from God's heart and vision for the world by paying attention to the beauty of creation. In Latin America, there's this indigenous way of knowing the world, which connects ourselves to um, to the land and the animals, and this is the virtue of Buen Vivir. Buen Vivir is a recalibration. It means um, to focus on our well-being, not just with other humans, but with the land and with the animals. We are called to be stewards um, of the land and the animals. So how can our Sabbath be a place of a time of stewardship? Uh, for cre- God's creation as well. So Visio Divina is a, a way of praying and asking God for God's eyes for the world and for people. Um, if you find yourself really having a difficult moment of connecting with God, Visio Divina gives you a vision, just an image. You can focus on that. So um, as I lead us into this time, um, I'm going to ask you to be still as the worship team comes up and um, And I'm gonna pray, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the God of the Sabbath, that you made it as a gift, and that you have blessed us with ancient wisdom from our families, from our backgrounds. Um, You've blessed us with ancient wisdom to see how you are at work in our lives or in our world's lives. Um, So I pray that you give us your vision and your eyes hear from you this morning as you look up can you pick out an image either the one on your left or the one on your right it doesn't matter which one it's just the one that you may be drawn to right now and i invite you to look at the image let your eyes stay with the first thing that you see and just sit there for a couple of uh, for a little bit what do you notice about this image what shimmers out at you After a minute or so, observe the whole image and take time to look at every part of that image. Reflect on the whole scene before you. As you think about this scene, what emotions are you feeling or thoughts are stirring up are there certain questions about your life or prayers that are emerging in this moment I invite you to take those to the Lord in this time And Lord, as we close, I pray that you help, help our eyes to focus on your beauty and the beauty that you have created us with. I pray that you help us to focus on your presence in this season of our lives. And thank you for being true and for being good.
0: We thank Noemi, please. So I'm going to ask her to do something on the fly, real quick. But I, I, there's one slide there, Stephen, um, of the pot. I'm, I'm aware of this as kintsugi. Is that how we or the, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Repaired piece? See me. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I learned about this actually just a year ago now um, and I know you had you had this is one of the images that, that you had kind of prepared and had something around and I'm curious of as you kind of just talk to us a little bit about that and what you're thinking with Sabbath and then I would even invite you to help us consider how that can even correlate to as we now even take communion.
1: Yeah, so um, this is a Japanese word, kitsumi, and it's a style of forging broken pottery together. One of the things that I think uh, impacts living in a world of consumerism and pleonexia is our broken ways of knowing one another, maybe even knowing ourselves. Or maybe we feel like we're so broken that we're beyond repair. But the beauty of kitsumi, this style of pottery work, is that there's really no gap, there's no damage big enough for this gold bonding to not be able to bring together and this beautiful original the original pottery is beautiful and it's good Uh, and when it's broken though it's no longer together and whole but with katsumi the gold unites it and makes it even in my opinion even more beautiful and i feel like the holy spirit does that in our lives whatever is broken whatever we feel disconnected from. Uh, whatever we have um, been longing for in terms of healing, this gold bonding, which is the Holy Spirit, brings us together and reconnects us with, with Creator God. Um, and I think what Jesus did for us on the cross, um, the Kitsumi uh, gold bonding of Jesus's life, and his death and his resurrection, uh, which is so incredible, no one else has done that, no other God can do that or has done that. And so there's this beautiful reconnection when we take communion. I think it reminds me of my brokenness, but that it's not too big for God to mend and continue to heal me and bring me together
0: with him. Yeah, that's powerful. Thank you so much, Norma. Why don't we stand together as we enter into a time of communion?